This episode is brought to you by the Sneaky Treat Company, Melbourne. Hey, welcome to the Move Me podcast. Sheila Reynolds here with you. Cosentino is recognised across the globe as Australia's most successful magician. TV shows, live shows, packed houses and will scare the pants off you with some of his death-defying escapes. He joins us on this episode to talk magic, illusion and how he got into it before kicking off his career in the 2011 series of Australia's Got Talent. And it's kind of music because you've got to have some great rhythm to pull off some of those moves. Plus, did you see how he moved in Dancing with the Stars? You can check out his latest tour, Deception, at cosentino.com.au. He is heading out on the road this June. The way things go nowadays, we couldn't do it in the studio, had to do it online, so it's a little fuzzy, but you're sure to enjoy this chat with a witty, charming and very engaging Cosentino in just a moment on the Move Me podcast. Illusion. It's intense and it's a bit scary. First of all, hello. <laughs> How are you? Hello. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So going back to it being intense and scary, illusion, is it something that you sometimes scare yourself with, with what you're doing? Like, do you sometimes look at it and go, yeah, this, I'm taking this too far. <laughs> this is really scary. <laughs> well, look, there's... there's um. There's a distinction between the uh, illusions that say so people appearing and disappearing and transpositions and solids passing through solids and then the escape. And what's happened over the years, the, the genre has blended because a gentleman named Harry Houdini in the mid-1900s, early 1900s really, was an escape artist, a very famous escape artist, and he he kind of made the genre popular. Now, people think that Houdini was a magician. He dabbled in magic in his earlier career, but he was actually an escape artist. His whole act, his whole show was about him escaping. And now, so people kind of see them together. So the escapes, oh, I can only speak for myself, but the escapes that I do are very real. I'm really underwater. I'm really oh. holding my breath. I'm really <laughs> picking the locks. And therefore, you're correct. It is dangerous. And sometimes I do say to myself, oh my gosh, you know, you know, how, much, how many more locks can I add? How much higher can I go upside down on a burning rope? How much, how many more, uh, how long can I hold my breath? So, but I, I liken it to someone jumping out of an airplane with a parachute and saying, well, I'm going to pull the parachute later and later. And now they've got these, you know, wingsuits where they don't even pull the parachutes and they glide around. And it's that kind of thing, that adrenaline rush of pushing the boundaries that really gets my blood pumping. The one difference is the parachute isn't on fire, Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is very, very true. But all of these extreme sports have a calculated risk. And, and what you try and do, and I'll be really honest with you, you try and eliminate as much of the risk as possible. But once again, just to give you an analogy, it's the same thing in Formula One. But sometimes you know, they do they do smash into the wall and the car, spur, the car burn, uh, bursts into flames. So it does actually happen no matter how much you you know you try your best um, to eliminate all of the dangers. And when you're doing it the way I do it, every night, twice a night, you know, fatigue or a little bit of rust in a lock, uh, you know, things not being set up right, it, it can go pear-shaped pretty quickly. That's why you would probably see a lot of people, if you were focusing on the audience at all, looking at you through their fingers. They've got their hands over their face. Yes, excitement, isn't it? It, it is. I was about to say, that's what I love. And in my show, in my stage show, my theatre show, 
we can, it's not all just escapes. So I, I try and make it like a great film where there's the, the chase scene where you are biting your fingernails or looking through your fingers. And then there's a little bit of romance, there's a little bit of comedy, there's lots of audience participation. We involve our children in the show so that you get a very balanced um, theatrical experience as opposed to just, you know, I can't smack you between the eyes constantly for 19 no. minutes. No. Oh, we, we would be exhausted. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I suppose um, it, it's funny, it's, it's a real mix of extremes, isn't it? So would I be right in saying, like, obviously these these are your illusions and, you know, escape. Um, tricks is not the right word. How would you describe it? Escape? Um, I call them um, I, I, well, I, illusions and I call them effects. And But I'm not offended in any way if you call it a, a, a trick. In it. I don't get, I'm not too precious uh, about it. I guess, I guess some people kind of say a trick is something a little bit more, um, uh, a, little, a little smaller, whereas an illusion maybe entails um, more um, theatre because the illusion could be the way you move your body. But dancers create illusions of their bodies and through AV content and video content, you can create optical illusions so but but you call it whatever you want not not, not whatever yeah well because i sort of think of a trick is when your uncle pulls a you know a 50 cent <laughs> piece from behind your ear that's a correct trick to me. that's a trick and, exactly and what you do has got so many layers and that's why i go it, it's sort of the extremes so it's being a mix you personally i see as being an incredibly focused on detail like when you say you know, you have to move your body just that certain way and that will offer a certain illusion. Uh, but then you've got that creative aspect as well. So it must living in your mind must be, uh, I suppose, a very interesting place to be. <laughs> I suppose you don't know any different, do you? Oh, so you just took the words out of my mouth, exactly. I don't know any different. We just finished building... Um... Uh, my, my partner and I, my friend, we just finished building um, a, a home in, in, in Melbourne. And I, I never really thought, to answer your question, I, I, no, I didn't know any different. I, this is how I, I got interested and involved in magic when I was 12 years old. I've always been attention to detail because of necessity. Because, for example, if you don't pay attention to the detail and you understand the steps and you execute it bit by bit or properly, then the trick, the illusion, goes wrong. Now, that, 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 that is heightened even more or, or amplified when you're doing an escape. If there's no attention to detail, well, then you're putting yourself at, at risk. So you need the best team around you, and you need to be detail-orientated. And, and, and the truth is, um, the devil's in the details. It really is. And the reason why I know this now is because we finished uh, uh, construction on the house, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, the skirting boards, the paint, the wall. Can, please, can you please be more attention to detail? And I've realized that I'm obsessed with detail. And... Um, I discovered, uh, unfortunately for myself on my own home, uh, not that many people are at that level, at that <laughs> level of attention. It's bad. I have to, I have to put blinkers on because, by the way, I, I'm, I'm standing very dramatic. The house is wonderful and beautiful. But what I mean is the point I'm trying to make is I'm just so uh, detail-orientated at a whole other level that I wasn't even aware of until recently um, experiencing it from other people. I, I bet, Constantino, that it's not even something that you look for like that attention to detail the attention for detail or the detail looks for you and you can't help but notice it yeah exactly it stands out to me and i, I it's just one of those things like if, 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 a, if a boat was sinking for example you, i'm the guy you want to talk to because i'm analyzing the entire situation before it's even happening because i'm looking around going okay where's the escape route how do i do this how do we do that it just you're right it finds me for some reason it's just it draws 
if, if something stands out, if it's not, it, it seems to draw my attention a lot more, a uh, pull focus. Um, so uh, performers, they learn that from a very early age too. Our dancers learn, if they're in an ensemble, not to pull focus. Um, as a magician, you learn what we call misdirection, which is the art of diverting the audience's attention away from the method or the secret to the effect. So it's the same thing. So uh, as a magician, you're, you're trying to take away from the so it's all it's all encompassed in this this idea of just um, finding those little little details. How did you start? How did you realize? Or again, did did magic and illusion find you, as opposed to you thinking, you know what, I'm going to be magical now, and mm. off you went and went to magic school and they mm. gave you a certificate, or <laughs> magic just floating around and it went, I need somewhere to go. Constantino. Well, I would, I, it, it's a more romantic notion if it, if it if it's the if it's the latter. I think um, well, what really happened was this: I was a very shy kid and introverted, and people probably look at me now or see my shows now and say that's impossible. But your past does not equal your future. We all start somewhere very shy, cripplingly shy. Not one of those kids. Picture those kids who are very confident that run around and entertain people and uh, always have the right answers at school. And then think of the opposite: that was me sitting up the back of the classroom, a boy being asked a question. And this is all due to the fact that I had a lot of learning difficulties. In actual fact, I didn't learn to read till I was 12. So what happened was my mother's a school principal, was a school principal, and she took me to the local library. She tried to get me to read, and I, was, I wasn't interested. And I'm looking at books with pictures, and I was in kind of the puzzle section, the art section, and I'm looking at this book, which I found out later was called the Encyclopedia of Magic, and it had these old vaudevillian pictures of very famous magicians. And these pictures were created in the 1900s to advertise the show, to draw an audience in. So they're beautifully illustrated, and they look great, and there's this beautiful, all this smoke, and sometimes there's these little, little skulls on it, and all these great contraptions, and they look like comic books. So this draws me in. We borrowed a book. My mum reads these stories to me, these adventures, these escapades of people like Harry Houdini, English I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And in the back of the book, it had magic tricks. So my mother would read these magic tricks to me, and they were very complicated because it was designed for adults, adult instructional reading. So we had to break down each word and analyze it, and then have to look at the little illustrations. And through this process of repetition and analyzing every word as opposed to listening to a story, I began to read. And the side effect was that I gained a very unique skill, which of course was the skill of magic, and that's how it started. So in essence, it discovered me. I didn't see a magician on TV. You know, a magician didn't come to my birthday party or anything like that it was all by coincidence and chance and, and I think that's why my magic runs um is very organic and runs very very deep because it comes from a place of magic basically giving me my whole life it, it's my passion it's my career it's it, it, it's absolutely everything to me and it's you can hear it you know just how passionate you are Houdini you've mentioned him a couple of times um do you remember the film with Tony Curtis who played Houdini yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did that take you somewhere? Was that is that a film? Because I can remember seeing that film, and maybe I was too young to watch it. But when he was like stuck under the ice and all that sort of thing, it was just mm. incredible. Did, it was, did that have and it was. On you? It, it did. It did. It was so potent that they had Tony Curtis and uh, Janet Lee. They had um, uh, uh, Houdini actually die in, in his last effect called the water torture cell. And that became synonymous with, with people believing that that's how Houdini actually passed away. But in reality, that never actually happened. That's how potent that film was. Wow. And Houdini didn't die in a water torture cell. 
He died actually on Halloween, October 31st, 1926, in a hospital bed from an erupted appendix, which was caused, they believe, but he used to do this effect where people would punch him in the stomach. He would tense his abs and punch him in the stomach, and he could take any punch. It was part of his, his um, shtick. We'd say, oh, you're not going to take any blow from any man. You know? And anyway, so they believe that, that there's a little bit of um, maybe that's right, maybe that's not right. Medical people aren't exactly 100% convinced on that. But anyway, so he had a ruptured appendix and he died um, from that, not the water to watch yourself. But the point is that that movie was so powerful and what happened in it um, and the myth behind it that people still, still to this day, say, oh, yeah, he died in the water to watch yourself. But he actually didn't. Constantino, I've just learned something right then. I thought that that's how he died. No, there you go. It's not a sexy thing. Uh, and then he died in hospital with appendix. Correct. Correct. A great Houdini who could escape, escape anything dies of a ruptured appendix. I know. Wow. Wow. That's mm. blown my mind. Mm. Well, with yourself, where do you take it? And can you ever stop with, and then I'm going to do this, and then I've got to add this, and then I've got to add this? Because you write, you produce, and you star in all these shows, don't you? I do indeed. Yeah, I mean, where do you? It's take not somebody it? else putting your life on the line. No. It's you. Correct, correct. Uh, where does it go? You know, as you become more experienced, as you you develop and become more skilled, you, you're right. You add more change. You add more locks. You add more fire. It just gets more and more. And also, the audience has this appetite for it. So, uh, when does it stop? I guess when physically it's not possible, and you shift directions, and the material will be will be changed until that point. It's, uh, you know, as physical as the show can be, uh, I'll keep it that way. Um, do I think about the dangers involved? Yeah, I do. But once again, I always building those parameters where I, I know. Um, so this is a funny thing. People kind of just get online and they write things and go, oh, you know, it's not real. It's not this. It's not that. The illusions, you know, that is all fantasy and make-believe. But the effects really are real. And do I dramatize it? Yeah, the same way an actor dramatizes you know, the, the, the last um, kill scene in their film. You know, you want the audience to feel something. And, and people who say, oh, you know, that's an ignorant comment. It's, it's theatre, it's art. It's supposed to be, you know, it's an imitation of life. It's supposed to be that. It's supposed to move you. I mean, for example, I've, I, I remember having a, a gentleman come up to me who um, uh, was a young, oh, wasn't that young, actually. He was a young magician. He was doing a straitjacket escape. And he said to me, um, how quickly can you get out of a straitjacket? I can get out in 20 seconds. And I said, oh, no, I, I take two minutes. Now, the question is, do I really take two minutes? Or am I just playing on the theatre? Well, so you've got to have a look at it and see what's going to be the most entertaining aspect. You know, getting out in 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and then the, the effect is done and dusted? Or, or is it more to build the drama? Is it more to make some building feel something? I, I, I believe that's the way to go. Well, I, I believe you're right because everyone's sitting in the audience and they're watching and they go, oh, come on, get out of there. Exactly. Oh, we nearly got it. So, yeah, exactly. they go on the ride with you other, as opposed to, oh, that was good. All right, what's it, next? Correct, but, exactly. But, and that's, <laughs> that's where I come from, exactly right. But it shows you people obviously have different opinions on it. And um, I, I believe yeah, it's all about it's all about theatre, it's all about adding drama. And I'm I'm very honest and truthful about that. Uh, like I said, is it dangerous? Yes, it is. But is there a drama involved? Yes, of course. Of course there is. Which brings us to your show that you're about to go on tour on, called Deception. What have you got in store for us, Constantino? What What are we going to be sitting on the edge of our seat for 90 minutes looking at? 
We definitely have death-defying escapes. Uh, I have a piece where I'm placed inside a straitjacket, bound and strapped to a, a steel chair with an axe uh, above no. me, which is connected <laughs> to a water timer, correct? And I've got to get out of all the restraints and all the, and the straitjacket out of this chair, get out of the way before the axe, the water releases a single pin and drops this axe. So that's, there you go, there's drama, there, it finishes oh our show. Goodness. But there's the, these beautiful aspects in it. There's a bit where I tell the story about how I got interested and involved in magic and why I do what I do. There, there's pieces that are really pretty. I melt to a steel plate. We bring a plate on stage, like, a, like an aluminium plate. People examine it and look at it. And then slowly, bit by bit, inch by inch, I kind of melt through it. There's things appearing and disappearing. There's close-up slide of hand magic, what I do on the streets in my TV show, all projected onto screen. Lots of audience participation. We even, for example saw a child in half. We've been a child up on stage before in half. Because I used to get many, many questions about, I'll tell you a quick story. Wives would come up to me in the airport and they would say to me, could you make my husband disappear? And the husband would sit there and go, <laughs> oh yeah, well please, can you do it right now? And the children, this is true. And then children would always say, can you saw me in half? And I'd be like, that's a very odd question to ask me. But uh, okay. And lo and behold, uh, inspiration flows from many different sources. And I decided, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to saw a lucky boy or girl in half. And we do it. We, we sort them in half. We take a picture of them. There's, there's lots involved. There's lots in the show. It's not passive. It's not like sitting there and watching Zoom, for example, or the YouTube. You're, you're involved in this show. You're entrenched. It's very immersive. Well, it sounds like it's going to be amazing. And for some lucky uh, young person to be sawed in half, doesn't, it doesn't sound like the grand prize, but I bet it would it really would be. Like, okay, you know, I absolutely love it. On Monday, yeah. And I was sawed in half by Cosentino. <laughs> and, and not only that, we take a photo of them so that people believe it. So yeah, I take exactly. a Polaroid, I give it to them, and then they go back to show and tell, and they say, this is what happened. So it's a beautiful thing. It is. It sounds like it's amazing. And it's going to be quite grueling for you. It starts uh, in June in Geelong. Then you're going to take it through uh, Victoria, Western Australia. Then you're going to head into the beautiful Barossa Valley uh, in July and then into the city to Theberton Theatre, which is a... Have you played there before? It's beautiful there. Yes, Beautiful old theatre. Yes. Uh, then back into Victoria again. So... Uh, we're really very lucky to be seeing this. So you're taking it on the road from June to August. I suppose then you've got to think about the next show. <laughs> exactly right. A lot of our work and effort goes into putting these shows on too. So if you haven't seen a show like this before, it's very different. It's very unique. I can say that because, um, well, it, you know, we create the material ourselves. And, and, and it's, um, yeah, it, 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 it's going to be a, a wonderful uh, evening. You know, 90 minutes of escapism. Yeah, it really will. Um, how, just one last question, and thank you so much for spending so much time with us, Cousin Dean. Home. How did COVID affect what you were doing? Did it just stop you from performing, or did it, or did you get a benefit from actually going? You know what? I can perfect this pin axe water mm. trick. <laughs> mm. It's a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, I do eighty to a hundred shows a year, and they all disappeared. Uh, and, and no pun intended, and uh, well, pun intended. <laughs> exactly. And they, um, they, they, so they just they operated, and uh, so we shifted and went online. I did a lot of teaching. I did a lot of teaching to corporate clients. Uh, also, I had the opportunity, as you're correct, to write new material, to develop new new things. And usually, we don't get that time or have that um, that much time to really hone in on something and perfect it. So. Silver lining, yeah, it was a benefit, but of course, the devastation of the fact that not working for, you know, not being on stage for 14 months yeah. was financially uh, challenging, but also mentally. Remember, as I said earlier, 
this isn't just my passion. This is an all a career. My brother's involved. My, my fiance, she's on stage with me. This is all my life. So it's all wrapped into it. And I, I suppose you spent a year uh, performing to the cat and <laughs> you know the local birds because yeah. you need you need to keep that side of what you do up as well. To you need to be, I suppose, match fit as well. A hundred percent. And I didn't realise how fit. This sounds conceited, but I, I really because you get so used to it, you're so conditioned to it, you don't realize how fit you actually are until you stop doing it, and then you go back to doing it, and you realize, oh my gosh, do I, do I really hang upside down for a living? And then you start to think, oh gosh, you've got to get back into shape. So yeah, it, it's it's a very a very intense show. Well, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. Um, don't miss it. It's called Deception. It's rolling out around Australia, or around sort of the southern end of Australia in June, coming to South Australia in July. And if you would like to uh, check out anything that you're doing, what's the best way to contact you? Is to go to your website? Yeah, Cosentino, that's C-O-S. E-N-T-I-N-O, so C-O-S-E-N-T-I-N-O.com.au for Australia, obviously. And um, you can check out all the details, ticket details, find out more about me, go online on YouTube, see all the video teachings I've been doing, and you can track me on all the socials, which is, uh, once again, my name, Cosentino, or The Cosentino. Nice and easy. Thank you again. And uh, it's going to be a brilliant show. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm on the edge of my seat just talking to you. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much.